Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brad Mann, and we have a great, great show today. It's been a great day in America for everybody who, out there who likes to hunt, fish, get outside, and just enjoy the bounty that our country has to give you. So we're going to get into that in just a second, man. I'll talk about some things that are going on. As you know, the new audio equipment is starting to get the hang of how this stuff works, how to work the camera stuff, all the studio equipment. So really hope that you guys are enjoying the video part of this podcast as well as the audio side of it. Um, this week, man, I've had a good week. Uh, it was a Sunday. We sat and we watched the space shuttle crew, or not space shuttle, sorry, Got rid of the space shuttle. Got to see the Dragon crew from the, was it, the Dragon Endeavor mission come back home and splash down without a hiccup. It was wonderful to watch. Made me very proud to be an American and to get to see our guys come back home. And am I really excited for the future space flight and exploration? Uh, They say we're going to Mars soon. So we're going to start at the moon. We're going to actually, the plans are to build a base on the moon. From there, destination mars so really looking forward to what's coming up in the future of space travel i'm a huge space i guess nerd is what you would call me i love star trek star wars those types of things just as much i love hunting and fishing i'm really excited about what was coming up in that and another little bit of news from today i was trying to debate whether i was not going to talk about it i guess for you guys listening now it was yesterday but uh on August 4th, there was a big explosion in uh, Beirut, in Lebanon, uh, there on the ports. And it was a huge explosion. They don't untold amount of damage. It almost looked like a nuclear bomb went off, but they say it was a an ordnance storage facility. Um, I looked it up on Google Earth. I don't know what it was there, but um, right beside where the explosion happened, there were a, a huge towers of uh, interconnected silos. So I don't know if it's fuel. I don't know what was stored there, but it was a huge explosion and, you know, knocked out windows for miles and miles and miles. Um, A lot of people, I don't know, uh, the last estimates I've seen were 70-something people had died already. Lots of people trapped. I mean, this thing picked up cars and threw them off the highway. So, guys, uh, keep those uh, the people of Lebanon and Beirut in your prayers. Hopefully they find a lot more survivors and and get um recover everyone else who may have passed away and wish them a speedy recovery for their city. But today on today's show, we're I know it's kind of a sad topic, we're moving into a really, really happy one for everyone here in the United States, like I said, that likes to get outside and enjoy our public lands, whether it be national parks, whether it be BLM land. Just your uh, wildlife refuges, uh, hiking trails, national forest, whatever it is. If you like to enjoy those public lands, today was your day. Usually at the end of the show, I sign off by saying God bless y'all and God bless the United States of America. Today is one of those days that I believe it was my calls answered and we were blessed as both Americans and a country. So today... We're going to talk about the Great Outdoor or Great American Outdoors Act that was uh, passed for everybody listening on August fourth. So we're going to talk about that. I've got a whole lot of uh, topics. We'll go through them, kind of explain to you what, the, who um, presented the bill, you know, 
the process and how it went through as far as went through all of our branches of government. I want to talk about uh, some of the key points of it and how it benefits us now and in the future as Americans. We'll talk about one other guy first in our outhouse topic, man. This this is our outhouse story of the week, man. This this cat apparently he doesn't know about public lands. I don't know if he never heard that there's actually places you can go for free that you're allowed to be at. Well, this guy he don't apparently he don't care. He thinks all of these lands are every land is public, water, land, whatever. But this comes from West Virginia. Uh, the story I found on Hunting News or thehuntingnews.com. The headline of it is "Man uses no trespassing sign to paddle around lake he's trespassing on." That says it right there. I mean, that's the whole story. But let's get into it. Uh, it says it doesn't give the man's name, kind of protect his identity. Uh, so well, you won't know who he is, but you don't even need to know his name. You just need to know what he did here. Story says, if you're going to ignore one sign, you might as well ignore all. Oh, while you're at it, use one of the signs in place of a kayak paddle you forgot. So you can go fishing the places the signs tell you not to. That is exactly what a man did on a West Virginia lake. According to the West Virginia Department of Natural Resources, a man drove past not one, not two, but four no trespassing signs in order to launch his kayak. When he discovered that he had forgotten his paddle, he decided to pull up another no trespassing sign and use that. Needless to say, he, when he was confronted by wildlife officers, he had no excuse and promptly told them he knew what he, that he was trespassing. Here is what the officers posted on the department's Facebook page. And we'll go ahead and tell you an NRPO is um, basically a resource officer in the state of West Virginia. I cannot pronounce his last name very well. I think it's uh, Casas, but it says on see on the Facebook page, it says on July 17th, uh, 2020, Marion County NRPO Randall K. Casas was notified by security personnel of the Murray Energy Corporation that an unoccupied pickup Drug was parked on the MEC Thorn AMD impoundment property near Mannington. Um, NRPO Casas was, the, with the assistance of Marion County Sheriff's Department Deputy Wesley Wheeler, responded to investigate. The investigation revealed that the truck was parked next to the impoundment underneath two separate private property no trespassing signs. In order to have reached the location where he was parked, a truck was driven past two other private property no trespassing signs. An adult male was observed paddling a kayak across the impoundment using an improvised paddle. This individual was identified as the owner of the truck, and it was determined that he had been fishing for bass and had had a very productive morning fishing. The individual said that he knew what he was doing and was wrong because he was on a private property and was trespassing. The individual also said that when he arrived at the property, he realized that he had forgotten his paddle. Consequently, he had decided to pull out of the ground on the impoundment's down, uh, dam face a metal pole that had attached to it a private property no trespassing sign, which he then used as an improvised paddle for his kayak. The individual, who was very cordial 
with NRPO Casas was cited for fishing without written permission and was given a warning citation for no audible producing device on the kayak. There you have it. Um, he knew there was fish in that lake, and he knew he was trespassing and did it anyway. Don't be that guy. There's plenty of places you can go that are public. Take your kayak. Don't be a jackass. Go fish on public water or get written permission from the landowners or the community or whoever. You know, have permission of where you're going to be. And if you if it's not public water, make sure you have written permission from the landowner to be on that property. Don't be an idiot. Don't be like this guy because he makes everybody kind of look bad on that deal. They're probably going to step up the security there at that lake for a while, which is going to cost more money for them, more time. It's going to kind of put, you know, they're probably going to patrol that a little bit more, and that takes for you know the wildlife officers. Hell, they got to drive all the way up there and make sure that this guy ain't done stolen another sign inside to paddle his ass around the lake and catch fish. That's our outhouse story of the week. We're I'm I'm excited, so I just really want to move into the the main topic tonight. So I will be. Right back. We'll take a short break. See you in just a second. All right, everybody. We are back. We're going to be talking about the Great American Outdoors Act. And like I said, today today when we're recording is August 4th, and today President Trump signed what's probably the most important piece of legislation regarding America's public lands in the last 100 years. It is called the Great American Outdoors Act. It was originally put up as um, H.R. 1957. It was introduced by... <clears throat> My Democratic representative, John Lewis, Democrat from Georgia, on March 28, 2019. When it was uh, presented, uh, there were some amendments that needed to be made to it. Then it was reintroduced by Republican Senator Cory Garner of Colorado on March 9, 2020. So they debated on it, and it was actually finally passed by the Senate on June 17, 2020. Where it moved back over to the House of Representatives, where it had a huge bipartisan support and passed 310 to 107 in favor on July 22nd of this year. So, at least so far, one good thing has come out of 2020. Keep that in your pocket because you're going to need it because it doesn't look like it's getting any better. All right, so this is kind of the... You know, you have your your nickname for it, which is the Great American Outdoors Act. But this is the long title of the act. An act to amend Title 54 of the United States Code to establish, fund, and provide for the use of amounts in a national parks and public land legacy restoration fund to address the maintenance backlog of the National Park Service, the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the Forest Service, and the Bureau of Indian Education, and to provide permanent, dedicated funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund and for other purposes. 
that's the long title of this thing. So, yeah, I'm glad they shortened it down to something catchy. Um, I'm gonna give you here's a few key points of the uh, GAOA. Um, 1.9 billion dollars will be set or be put into this every fiscal year from 2021 to 2025. It's gonna total around nine billion dollars, which is a huge chunk of change. I'm glad we got that much. It uh, fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is um, is actually used to purchase new lands, public lands, and it maintains uh, a lot of the ones that we already have and puts up money for maintaining the new pur- purchases. The funds actually come from re- uh, revenues, taxes, uh, fees, those kind of things that are generated by the government against energy companies like your offshore drilling, fracking, uh, oil exploration, those things on in the United States. So they regulate, they tax those guys. They got a lot of fees. That stuff is, those fees that come from that, that's what they're using to fund this. So that's where this $9 billion is mostly coming from. And it's not coming off the taxpayer's back, which is great. Uh, it says, here is because uh, this will be used by the National Park Service, U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Bureau of Land Management, Bureau of Indian Education, a lot of others. The main purpose of this is to basically, it, there's a lot of maintenance that needs to be done that has been neglected for decades. Uh, some say, you know, somewhere anywhere between $12 billion and $30 billion. This is just to get it started. So, it's going to start to address the bigger issues that are going on right now. And, you know, I mean, it funds a lot. I mean, this money's going to be spread out over a big bunch of groups and it's going to be spread out pretty thin, I would say, but starting with $9 billion, it's a great way to start. But so what does it mean? You know, it's great. It's great to listen to this. It's great to hear about it. You know, yay. But, Yay. Oh, yay. What does it do for me, though? You know, well, you know, it, it, it does a lot. If you like to use public lands and those types of things, it has a lot of benefits just to the everyday person. So, like I said, it's going to be used to repair those neglected pieces of infrastructure on national parks and our public lands. So, that means that the, the funds are going to go help repair those things, like, you know, the campsites that are falling apart or don't have good access. Uh, uh, repair and fix overgrown trails, hiking trails, ATV trails, uh, just uh, trailheads, those types of things that you can access, and it's going to make them safer. It's going to fix those old rickety wooden roads, uh, wooden bridges and beat-up roads, those types of things. That's what it's going to be. Most of the bulk of the money is going to be there for like your uh, bathrooms at these places, like at your national parks that are falling apart or even closed right now because they're in such disrepair, this money is going to go to try to help open that stuff back up. It's going to make it a lot better for everybody. That way you can actually go and enjoy these places a lot more and kind of not, you're more, you'll be more enthralled by the beauty of these places and because you don't have to worry about the bad roads and everything, you can drive and enjoy yourself, or you can get out and hike and enjoy yourself without having to worry about can I cross this footbridge safely. So you're going to get a lot more enjoyment out of your adventures. 
eventually. Like I said, this is going to take a long time to get this stuff caught up because it's been decades of neglect. So don't expect it all to be done by 2025 because it's going to take a long time to get this stuff done. But a little progress every day adds up to monumental progress. So what I think the saying is, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? That's exactly how this is going to go. And hopefully we can get it refunded um, in 2022. So maybe even add a little bit more money to the pot then get some, see if we can get some private donors kind of put into it and see what we can do at that point. One thing it's going to do, um, you had a lot of national monuments around the country that aren't very, aren't taken care of, uh, like Mount Rushmore, um, those types of monuments that are, I guess, kind of man-made monuments. You know, your natural monuments, you can't really mess with them too much. I mean, they're, they're nature. You can't just go like Devil's Tower. If it fell over, the top of it fell off and landed in the canyon, you know, that's nature. There's not much you can do for that. But our man-made national monuments, that's going to kind of help keep these things repaired, keep them clean, keep them fun, keep them beautiful to look at and enjoy by those people who choose to go and look at these things. Another thing that's going to help to do, um, I was reading this in another um, article, a partial part of the funding is going to go to help pay for uh, fire fire prevention projects on public lands where you're allowed to you know, prevent forest fires, you know, your national parks, Yellowstone, Glacier, um, Yosemite, those types of big, huge national park that are actually national parks that are set aside for like the beauty and the, to, you know, preserve nature, you know, nat- uh, wildfires are a natural part of that whole process. So in those places, there's not much they can do, but on your, um, national forest service lands, uh, BLM lands, um, uh, wildlife refuges, those types of places where you can have some human interaction with the environment, those types of fire prevention projects or what this stuff's going to help fund and protect those places and, you know, that way. Because it's, it's not only, you know, a fun place to go, it's also a resource for the United States and a, that we can access. So protecting those resources is a huge, huge, huge uh, priority for, should be a huge priority for everyone. If you like to hunt, fish, camp, hike, or take kayak, canoe, you know, just go, you know, practice survivalism in the in the forest, those types of things. It's gonna this is what it's gonna be for you. I mean, it's gonna help preserve and give you better access and more enjoyment out of those types of places that you wanna be. Um you know, for um especially for um hunters and fishermen and things like that. It's going to help provide funding for the preservation of millions of acres of land and water for the protection of wildlife habitat. So it's going to give, it's going to help, you know, save the habitat for animals that we do. We do like to go and hunt. We like to go and fish and it's going to help provide money to maintain and keep that stuff for the future. I mean, that's what it's there for. That's one of the best things about this is not only does it help us as a country and, you know, our government's actually putting money that, you know, that's made by things that hurt the environment, I believe. They're taking, you know, they have to have energy exploration. We have to have oil. We have to have these things. And it does have a negative impact on the environment. Well, 
you know, we fee we charge fees and taxes and everything from that. Excuse me. Not only do we have to have fees or get fees from that, well now, you know, they've been putting this stuff up in accounts and robbing the money out of the um uh LWCS, spending it elsewhere, you know, kind of diverting money here and there. Well now we have those funds and those fees and those taxes on those companies that hurt the environment. We're using those to redirect them and help protect the environment where we can. So, like I said, all your hab- natural habitats, your wetlands, uh, lakes, streams, forests, deserts, everything. It's going to help preserve those beautiful natural areas for those animals and nature and plants. Everything is what it's there for. So, if you're an outdoorsman, that's one of the biggest things to you. There's also... This is something I have never even heard of myself, but it's going to, some of this will actually go to help finish and maintain what's called the Continental Divide Trail. I had never heard of this. I lived in Montana. I've been to Colorado, been to Wyoming. Um, I had never heard of this, that this was a project that's been going on apparently. I I think it said on their website since 1926 was when it was first proposed. And they're still fighting to get access to the lands and to build the trail to maintain this thing. But what the Continental Divide Trail is, is basically if you're from the East Coast, you I know you've heard of the Appalachian Trail. Runs the whole length of the Appalachian Mountains. A lot of famous people have hiked this trail. Well, this is the Rocky Mountain version of the Appalachian Trail. It runs, say this about, it runs about 3,100 miles. Uh, starts at the U.S.-Mexico border, just east of the Big Hatchet Wildlife Study Area in New Mexico. And it runs all the way up to the U.S.-Canadian border near Waterson Lake, uh, which is inside of the Glacier National Park in Montana. This is a long trail. It looks like it's gonna, it could be a pretty brutal trail. I think it goes all the way up to 14,000 feet in places. Huge endeavor for these people, uh, the people who are building it, and this is going to kind of help fund some of that creation of that trail and give anybody who would like to go and hike this trail a little bit better experience and the ease of doing so. But um, I, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about the Continental Divide Trail. I think there's like a coalition for this trail and they got all the information, a very nice interactive map that you can go show stopping points and all this stuff along the way. You know, tell you, well, you know, they're asking that sometimes they ask for money and things like that to help donate. So if it's something you're interested in, I'm going to put a link on bottomdollaroutdoors.com. So you can click on that and go to the website, check them out and get a map. And if it's something that you're interested in doing, man, it would be a great, especially if you want to backpack this thing all the way through. Man, you're talking, you're probably talking a year and a half experience there. It's 3,100 miles of hiking and camping and fishing and God knows what. I mean, that's, I mean, very dangerous trip for me, it sounds like, because you're going from the desert through Colorado into bear country. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a trip. You better be prepared for that one if you decide to do it. But I bet it's also probably one of the most beautiful heights. The Rocky Mountains, they're beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful in their own way. It's one of my favorite places to be, so... Man, that, that's a huge undertaking and a great undertaking and a beautiful, beautiful trail, I can imagine. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into it. I may do a whole episode on this because there's a lot of history and a lot of fighting on this trail to get it done and to obtain the land and land access to do this. 
whenever somebody thinks about somebody that hunts and fishes and gets out and does this kind of thing, you usually think about people who live in, you know, suburbia, who go camping on the weekends, or country folks who like to go hunting and fishing all the time. Well, you know, there's a lot of people in urban areas who want to learn how to hunt and fish or already do know how, and they want to just take their families and get out of town for the weekend. Well, they've, you know, over the years, that, that stuff's gotten harder and harder for them to do. Uh, they close down parks. They close down campgrounds. They, well, you know, we can't use this uh, trail here. It hasn't been taken care of. There's another trail 100 miles down the road you and your family can go to or that campground in uh, three counties over can go to and go hang out with people from the other 10 counties around. So for people who live in urban areas, this is going to help to reopen and give access to lands closer to you eventually. Like I said, this isn't going to happen overnight, but eventually it's going to start to open up those places closer to you so you can take your family on like a, a weekend excursion where you don't have to plan and take a whole week off of work to go camping and drive out of state and all that stuff. You can just take your family, go kayaking down a river, a public down some public waters for a week, a day, an afternoon hike, and you ain't got to drive very far to get to it. So if you live in urban areas, don't think this isn't going to help you too. And then like say in the summertime when the kids are off and you want to take that adventure out to Yellowstone or you want to go see one of these smaller national parks. I mean, there's a lot of smaller ones a lot of people don't think about. So look in some of these. Um, these smaller parts, that's what this is really going to help. Those big parts, they kind of generate their own money and kind of help with the upkeep. But your smaller national parks and areas and things like that, they really, you know, they don't have a huge budget. And this is really going to help boost their uh, budget for the year and kind of make things nicer for you, give some better roads. Some of the bathroom areas I've been to and some of the parks I've been to, I would not recommend you take a child. Really, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take an axe murderer in there because they're that bad. So this is going to help kind of fix that stuff up for you and make it a lot more enjoyable for everyone. And there's also going to be a huge benefit as far as for everyone. I mean, and it doesn't just pertain to people who like to use the outdoors. I mean, you're looking at local economies are going to get a, get a little bit of a boost in this. I mean, they may not get a huge boost at first, but whenever it starts to really get these parks back in shape, like some of your towns around some of these smaller parks, it's really going to start to help boost their local economies. I mean, this thing, I mean, it's not always going to help them either. I mean, it's projected so far to help uh, do the maintenance on these things, open these roads up, um, hire new wildland firefighters, uh, you know, clear you know, parking lots and clean this stuff up, construction. I mean, plumbers, I mean, you're looking at plumbers, welders, you're looking at all your people uh, who are going to be there, hiring new park rangers, all this stuff. And it's said to, it's estimated to create around 100,000 new jobs across the country. I mean, right now, with the way things are, every job we can create is a good one. I mean, the COVID-19 crisis really put a lot of people out of work, really slowed down the economy. 100,000 jobs, we'll take it, take it any way we can get them. But those local, like I said, those local economies where you have these new people who's going to these places, they're going to be moving to these areas to go work. So that's going to kind of, you know, bring in tax revenue for these little small towns around these parks. Then people coming through um, on their summer vacations, tourism, things like, hey, you got your hotels, got your restaurants down on Main Street, even your hunting and fishing guides. It's going to help them out. It's going to give them a lot more land to get to. 
better places to take their clients that are easier to get to so they can kind of expand their clientele. And it's going to help everybody from all the way from the top. I mean, from those companies that sell the kayak or buildings uh, have kayaks all the way down to, you know, gas stations that are all on the way, tire shops, you know, cars break down, mechanics on the side of the road, tow trucks. I mean, guys that pump the sewer tanks or the um, black water tanks out of the big old huge RVs that people take when they drive to these parks, all the way down to your guy who has a little roadside attraction, like the world's largest rubber band ball or the corn, the great, uh, what is it? Well, wall drugs and the, um, big corn castle and all that stuff. I mean, the stuff that you see when you drive across the country, those little roadside attractions, they're going to benefit also. This is a very, very good thing for our country. Hopefully it's going to really help our tourism and boost those jobs, the job market that we really need some help in. I was like, get everybody, but get the people who want to be outside a lot better way to get out there in a safe way and get out there where you don't have to worry about, you know, as much as the roads and the safety and just where you can just go out and enjoy the great outdoors again. That's about the that's about the gist of it. I'm gonna post the actual bill, uh link to the actual bill from the government on the website, link a couple other articles that I can find about the Great Outdoors uh, Great American Outdoors Act. We'll post that up here, and we'll give you a link to, um, there's a lot of stuff on backcountry hunters and anglers. They've really fought hard for this. It's something they've really pushed. They have a few more that's coming up that are very similar to kind of help uh, uh, secure some more funding for these uh, national parks and your land and waters and just our natural resources in general, as long as some gun fights with gun rights. I know that's a big topic coming up with the next election. But there you have a lot of stuff that they, they really support. And they're trying to get out information out there to people, not just members, but they try to get the information out to everyone. They even give you a way that you can contact your um your senators, congressmen, all the way down through the local level, from local all and then back all the way up to the president himself. They give you that information on how to contact those people to help you talk to them and tell you how you feel about certain issues. Look into the backcountry hunters and anglers. They really help out. Um Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, Ducks Unlimited, you know, Whitetails Forever, Quail Forever, those types of organizations. Even uh, I really don't know about a whole lot of the non-hunting groups, but they also really, uh, I know World Wildlife, or, um, World Wildlife Fund uh, also, I believe, was a player in some of this, was trying to promote it. Maybe not, I mean, they might even be hunting or fishing related. Hell, they might even be anti-hunting and fishing related. Like I said, this bill covers everything from give, it's mostly giving money to protect our environment. They're going to look into it and they're going to help also. Even though they may oppose two, it's two enemies. It's just like the bipartisan part of this. You know, you have Republicans and Democrats actually came together to pass this law. And then you have outdoorsmen, hunters, fishers, and then people who are not or even against hunting and fishing act pushed in to help move this bill through because it protects our natural resources, our state parks, and things that we all love to enjoy. So it kind of, it, it saying that this bill kind of brought America together is an understatement. And that's exactly what like I said. And that's exactly what I like to see. It's what I pray for. Stay tuned next week. Gonna, I'm trying to pick out a show. If there's not a show next week, there will be one the week after. Start a new job. So look forward to that. And like I said, God bless y'all. God bless USA. Y'all have a good day. <laughs>